and welcome to another edition of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of uh, video game and pop culture ephemera coming to you from linktothecast.wordpress.com. My name is Dave Ryan, I am your party host for this evening, joined on the couch this evening. Brian McMara is not here once again this week, um, he is off yonder, frolicking about in the sunshine. I am joined, however, by the ever-reliable platforming prodigy, Mark Robinson. Greetings and salutations from a yonder of your living room, <laughs> slash my bedroom. How are things, Mark? No. Since our, since our last episode, you're well into your new working life now. Yeah, I've, I've gotten that two-hour uh, commute down to a fine art, I feel. Yeah, uh, it, it doesn't feel no, as... no, no shorter than two hours. Still, <laughs> like a fine art implies that you've gotten that time down. It's it's not getting any shorter than two hours. In fact, it might actually get longer because when I kind of properly go live, I'm going to need to be there at least fifteen minutes to twenty minutes earlier to kind of get myself accustomed to all the big sporting events going on for the day. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of getting there on the mark of when I'd be starting at ten o'clock. Yeah. Uh, so my day's and actually going to make sure you don't have a terrible seat. Yeah, something like that as well. Um, but it's it's going fine, you know. Uh, I got emergency taxed up to my eyeballs. Yeah, you did. Revenue has you over a barrel. Welcome to Ireland, friend. 375 euros down to 188. Yeah, I f- that's... I felt that. I felt that badly. I get that pinch. Yeah, so... Taxpayer and everybody. Well, you yes. get that back. But... Yes, I get that back. So I'm waiting for my PPS number to come in and then... We'll be good, but yeah. it was a pretty good weekend. Went to the Aviva Stadium. I had, yeah, I realised I'm far too old to do things socially. Yeah. <laughs> uh, three nights out in Dublin in a row was a bit ambitious for me. Um, so yeah, we went to you, you went to your first experience in the Aviva Stadium, which yes. we talked about on a stream this week. Uh, how was your first experience there? I mean, it wasn't the most riveting of games, let's be no, honest. No, And Robbie Keane didn't show up, which was reg- pretty much the only reason I bought the tickets. Indeed. Uh, regards to stadium, enjoy quite it's the stadium. It's a very nice stadium. It is a very Big nice stadium. Big friendly baby stadium. Um, there, uh, I had to uh, run and grab some food on the way in, and let me tell you, their food there is sensational. Yeah. As far as a football stadium goes, well, this is like, it's obviously got that football stadium price to it. Of course. But uh, the idea that I was able to get uh, a nine-inch hot dog with onions, onion straws sprinkled on top of it was a good time I feel though that both of us having the experience of being to the AT&T stadium uh, nothing nothing has a patch but that's the Americans for you like they they really they they go over and above like we were able to get nice goujons and sautéed french fries the difference is the difference is having done a couple of American stadiums cocktail bar as well yeah this is the thing Uh, so I did Wrestlemania 20 no yeah 29 um, from the MetLife stadium in New Jersey Mm. And let me tell you, when you think of like American food that you would be getting at like a football game, uh, you think of kind of nachos with that really solidified processed cheese on yeah, top. Like a brick of cheese. That was pretty much what you got at MetLife. Yeah, so AT&T was, well AT&T is a very modern stadium. Like, it's... I don't think MetLife's that old. I can't imagine. But, but I mean, no, well, AT&T I know, yeah, because AT and T is like only a couple of years it's been yeah. open. I think, uh, but... and you know, it's definitely one of those uber modern stadiums because most of it is underground. Yes, like we came in on ground <laughs> level and we were on the middle tier. Yeah, uh, do you know what I mean? <clears throat> there is some fucking five star cuisine going on at that stadium. Yeah, but the yeah. view was a good time. I always like going up there. Um, 
maybe not the football all the time uh, is great, but it's a it's a, it's a fun trip. It's a good way to unwind. Uh, I also went to I went to the last Shabba Puppets last Thursday. They were doing a three night stint in the Olympia in Dublin. The Olympia is still arguably my favorite venue to go to for live music. It's the one we went to for uh, Manix nice. doing the Holy Bible last year or was it the year before. Uh, it was last year, twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. It was two years ago. Yeah. nearly two years ago. Fucking hell. Yep. Um, yeah, the, so I went to see them. Um, it was really good. It was a bit disappointing that like all the standing tickets for all three nights had sold out, so we were seated. But it was in the middle tier. We actually had really good, like in terms of actually seeing what's going on stage, we had really good seats. And um, they're a really good live band. I, I said it to you at the time, Alex Turner has um, a proper classic between-song banter, which I think is a very important part of a, a live act, that they're good. They have a good rapport with the crowd. Uh, you know because when there's people tuning up instruments it can get a bit boring waiting for the next song to start if I kill the buzz a little bit but uh, Alex Turner was keeping it going never been my strongest point when it came to uh, on stage banter uh, Jack Lazell will be <laughs> oh, keen to yeah, one, uh, one friend of the show Jack yeah, Lazell yeah. I imagine I, I, well, I've seen a certain live musical performance of his on the internet the and o- I can tell you well, yeah. the only reason there. like the only reason that he got a microphone is because I was so bad at on stage banter <laughs> like he can't sing a lick yeah but so he... like if you're to compare it to like early acting movies like he's the elders to your oh, yeah, yeah. early yeah, nerdy yeah. Alex Turner like he specifically got one just to kind of put some fucking kind of life on stage in between uh, songs um, so that was good uh, apart from Brian complaining about himself being old and tired the entire time we were there well the thing is I will say this like even at the age of 20, 28 and going way back when I would always prefer to sit for a gig than to be in the crowd Part oh of it, no, I'm always crowd I've never been a people person this yeah. is kind of well known about well, me well this is your chance to elbow people and get away with it like no no I'd, I'd rather just <laughs> not have them around me I just I like to be in a music venue I like to be not quite in the pit but up kind of towards the front of the part that isn't the pit no. it is a little bit too crazy the one exception to that was when I went to Queens of the Stone Age in the O2 in Dublin and outside the pit was just as crazy as inside the yeah, pit like there were twi- there were a couple of songs where we feared for our lives yeah um that was good and then on Saturday we went to what we call the Mick Graps we went up to um, I don't know we haven't talked about going to the Mick Graps at all on uh, on this show but uh, over the top wrestling uh, wrestling promotion out of Dublin um been now this is my third one um i've gone to three in the three of the last four and boy howdy is it a good evening like for we got seated tickets this time we spoiled ourselves for about 23 quid i think it was up in the tivoli theater and like for 23 quid it's incredible value for when i give you a fan of the pro graps it's a great evening like and they really do they've gotten to the point now where they have their own kind of wrestlers who are in there. It's like kind of old territories. They have their own wrestlers in there that people have grow a rapport with that they have an attachment to. And then like every show has a couple of like proper independent stars come in and kind of just, you know, put it over that bit more. Um, it's a good time. How are you enjoying that? Because you're a man who's gone to his independent shows over in England this time. How do you enjoy going to OTT? This is your second one. Yeah, it's got a very similar feel to um, kind of what's going over on England at the moment with your ICWs in progress, and there's a very kind of... Repro. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Repro's still kind of odd one out, because that feels a little bit like a kind of greatest hits of yeah. the England scene mixed in with some New Japan and, and whatever. But where Progress and ICW and OTT very much kind of rely on their homegrown stars. Yeah, it's grassroots. Yeah, uh, but they've also taken like some of the guys over from England, like Ryan Smile and Pete Dunne, mm. and... 
uh, who are kind of starting to make a name for themselves and sort of put them at the forefront of what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, was in one of the, the qualifiers for the WWE Cruiserweight series. certainly was, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a good time with that like that mixture of kind of talent coming in. They have talent. Like, I would even consider those two guys like regulars. You know what I mean? Yeah. They'd almost be part of the roster where not, you know, they, they do stuff elsewhere, obviously. And to me, like, uh, last Saturday really solidified that. For me, I think that, that guy that you mentioned there, Ryan Smile, is arguably the MVP of the whole thing. All three of the shows I've been to, the best match has had him in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, it helps that he has been with some of the best talent in the world in all three of those matches. Young Billy Osprey doesn't, you know, hurt. Yeah, like, and young Martin Skirtle there. Yeah. Marty Skirtle. I, now, I will say this. Who is one of my faves. I will say this. Uh, a lot of uh, England bashing and Queen bashing. Oh, and... my God. Yeah, there's a there's a tag team in this promotion called the Kings of the North who came out with a with a flag guard during this hanging British, English and Northern Irish flags from each ring post. One of them comes out with a red glove representing the red hand of Ulster. It's fucking great banter. It's a and pretty a, boss the, the other The third guy in their group, Duncan Disorderly, has a jacket that says invade, destroy, repeat on the back of it. It's proper. It's great cheap heat for the crowd. But... Uh, OTT show, uh, OTT are uh, like an absolutely fantastic promotion. If you're like either interested in the the pro graps as we are, or if you're someone who kind of used to be and maybe would like to go to something different of a Saturday evening, they do once a month up in the Tivoli uh, for the whole year. Um, check them out. It's OTT Sideshow, I think, on Twitter. But that is it's a really good night out every single time. Uh, love it there. And yeah, do try and spoil yourself and get seats if you can. Because mm-hmm. uh, standing up for three hours, uh, no matter how good the show is, isn't quite as fun as being able to say, oh my God, I was able to sit down, casually have a beer, put my backpack down this time and not fear about someone trampling on it. it my, old, my old man knees can't take it. It's only right now. This is true. Uh, shall we talk about video games? Uh, you can, because I've not really been playing. I haven't had a chance to play anything really since the last podcast. All right, the okay. problems with being employed now. Well, let's go. Playing this week. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Yeah, so kind of you you adjusting to your new working life, there hasn't been uh, much opportunity, and you getting emergency taxed out the ass hasn't given you an opportunity really to buy any games either. No, and I've been waiting for you to finish a particular game you want to talk about so oh, I can really, steal your really copy. That. that was the main event of this segment. Yeah. All right, but, okay. uh, Actually, yeah, to be fair, I can talk about the other game uh, we're going to talk about as well, because I have played it a little bit, yeah. as much as you have. So. Uh, yeah, uh, well, you got a plan on this week, that's one thing it is. Uh, did I? Like Since the last playthrough, wasn't it? Uh, was it Peggle? Yeah, since the last page you got your like Peggle, big fan. It's a, it's a bit of a dated game. I, I feel I've spoken about Peggle on this podcast. Yeah, and you got podcast, so, Yeah, thank you very much. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, so two games I've been playing this week while Mark waits to not be emergency tax so he can get down well and disappear. Um, down a well. Down a well, indeed, yeah. indeed. Uh, I've been playing hip new game Overwatch. Blizzard's uh, kind of. FPS that feels a little bit like Team Fortress, but not quite Team Fortress. Uh, normally, Mark, multiplayer shooters, not my thing. Not our I've, thing. I've gone on record, and you've gone on record as well in this show, is that like unless uh, a shooter has like a substantial single-player campaign to it, usually we leave it slide by. Do you know what I mean? Like we talk about the old, the we Modern Warfare was uh, was a book club feature this week, and we talked or the other week. And we talked about how, like, that's a really solid campaign. There's actually a story where you care about people and stuff like that. So that's a good campaign to follow. 
Um, Overwatch doesn't really have a campaign. Like it has these uh, animated shorts online that came out before the game. It has very loose kind of story elements to it. But apart from that, it's just get straight down into the action. Um, there's an absurd amount of playable characters in it that do all sorts of different things. Kind of like in the Team Forces way where each one has a very strong, like whether they're an offensive character, a defensive character, some sort of support character, something like that. Um, and I've got to be honest with you, I didn't think I would, but I decided I was going to take a punt and at least try it for a while um after it came out and pretty much everywhere up and down was given this game like really high praise indeed um like top marks left right and center and so i I went and splashed out and i gotta say i really really like this game and i think you hit the nail on the head uh yesterday when we were talking about it and you said that you could see this becoming your fifa this kind of game and what Mark means by that is FIFA is the game I play when I just want to sit down, blitz through something for about an hour where I want to play a game, but I don't want to necessarily, like a Dark Souls, be 110% focused all the time. It's something to play for a while, have a bit of fun, maybe have a podcast on in the background, or maybe play with your friends and have a chat over the headset or something like that. It's something you can dip in and out of. That's the best kind of multiplayer game, like a Rocket League, even, where you can go in and play a few games and just leave, and there's no kind of, you know, you don't have to get to the end of the chapter or anything like that, like a first-person narrative game or something like that. Um, the I thought, kind of, going into the game, that there's a huge amount of characters, but they can't all be that different. Um, I know you, you kind of split into four main roles and it's offense, defense, support and kind of a, a tank characters then as well. And I thought, right, okay, it can't really like, you know, all the offensive characters, and all the defensive characters must be kind of broadly the same just with different skins on them and stuff like that. Uh, I haven't found that to be the case so far now. I've kind of briefly, we were sitting here yesterday when I cracked it out and played through, about, you know, had a go and see what the different abilities of the two thirds of the characters in the game are. And... It's definitely a thing where I'm not going to be switching up to a bunch of different characters all the time because I'm like, oh, I like playing as loads and loads of characters. But it's definitely one that um, it offers me a lot of different ways to approach a game. Do you know, if I like being long range and, you know, sniping people off, there's good sniper characters. If I enjoy the kind of get in close there's the guy who i'm trying to think of his name there's the character who basically definitely isn't 100 percent, definitely isn't john marston from red dead redemption <laughs> and that's the guy who i've been playing as quite a bit he gets in close with a six shooter he um has a, like an alternate fire where he empties his entire clip out he does a nice dash to avoid attacks um and his special move totally 100 percent, isn't the dead eye uh, feature from Red Dead Redemption either. I like him. Tracer who a lot of people are fans of. She's kind of like her and the, the kind of the, the gorilla character uh, are kind of the, the two main characters from the, the lore the, the loose bits of lore around the place uh, people like them a lot. I don't so much like the gorilla. I don't like the, the heavier the tank characters that move slower. I like to be able to move fast, get in close, fire off a few rounds and get away um, there's another character who's pr- who I think if I focused and kind of played as him for a while he could be handy and that's Reaper who both of us I think when we were playing defense uh, in different game modes had a bit of a problem with because he's able to turn into a turn into a wraith and move around and be invulnerable while he's in wraith form 
Um, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of starting to run out of steam here. Uh, tell us like your kind of impressions well, of things. Now, I said this statement yesterday to you about Overwatch potentially becoming that FIFA game. But I feel like I need to spend a little bit more time with it to really get a feel for it. Mm. Um, and that's mainly because, and I was thinking about this um, after we played it and, and while I was on my way to work today, I never liked Team Fortress 2. I was okay with it. Like, I played it a bit, but... But that's not because I thought it was a bad game. Mm. It's because it's an online, class-based, multiplayer shoot-em-up. And yeah. I have no interest in that whatsoever. Mm. That's exactly what Overwatch is. Another thing as well is that um, part of what I like about certain shoot-em-up games, first-person shooters, is that there's a, a particular satisfaction to killing enemies uh, in certain first-person shooters, like your Dooms, like your Golden Eyes, uh, anything where you can really feel um, there's like this uh, physical... A physical thing you can see on the screen, you know, mm. like a real kind of satisfaction to blowing someone's head off, or just just something a little very physical. Um, Overwatch doesn't really have that in the same way that Team Fortress Two doesn't. Um, and even like if you looked at the comparisons on the orange box between uh, Team Fortress Two and Half Life, you know, when you kill something in Half Life, you fucking kill something in Half Life. With Overwatch and, and Team Fortress 2, like you can shoot someone, you can kill them, but it doesn't. I don't know there's not as much satisfaction as other games. Well, it's temporary; they're going to respawn in five seconds. And it's not even just that; just the 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 look of it and the feel of it. Um, they're saying usually more satisfying with games like there's nothing as visceral. Yeah, that's probably the, the the word I'm looking for. And that, but that's totally on me. That's just a stylistic thing. But for some yeah. reason, that kind of sticks with me. Um, there's also the fact that it's simply it's just. When you have um, class-based shooters like this, you know you find people just kind of stick to one style. Um, but because you have to give all these different characters their uh, kind of different abilities, they'll have a positive uh, kind of style to them. But then there's also a drawback as well. Yeah. And opportunity cost. We call yeah. It. And so I was playing with the guy yesterday, um, the kind of Zen ball-throwing guy. I have no idea what his name was. Yeah. Z- Zephilia, maybe, or something? I'll have a look here, but it kind of, it kind of just reminds me of, like, Dalsane. Yeah, from, yeah. From and, like, he's um, kind of a healer, and I wasn't... I Like, I was doing my job, but I wasn't really getting any kind of satisfaction out of it. Um, and there's also the fact that the uh, the modes we were playing were kind of um, tower defense and escort uh, a kind of moving package. And I just... I don't know. I don't get much joy out of those kinds of games, but that is totally on me. What yeah. this game is, what it's doing, um, it's kind of like very much taken me by surprise. Considering it's Blizzard as well, like yeah. Blizzard totally entering this new area with these new characters, um, and you know, graphically it looks very nice. The mm-hmm. sound design is incredible. Like, there's some really good stuff going on mm-hmm. there. Um, it, the, the characters all kind of have their own personalities, you know. Yeah. Like, even if they're in the same kind of, like, umbrella term as, like, they're all attack characters, each one of the attack characters feels different. I should also go with uh, saying that within each kind of offense, defense, uh, tank, and support, 
uh, characters have different difficulty levels so yeah. there are ones that are for like okay you're just starting off doing defense here's your character that's really easy to be to control and then it goes up to three stars like for example soldier 76 the person you're forced to do the first tutorial with is considered the easiest attacking character in the game whereas then you can work up to the likes of say a tracer who would be two stars McCree is the name of the guy I was trying to think of earlier on who's definitely not yeah, John okay. Marston and Genji then the kind of cyborg samurai yeah that would be the uh, the most difficult of the offensive characters and I'll say this if nothing else uh, the cosplay opportunities oh <laughs> So yeah, I I feel like I need to spend a little bit more time with it to to get more of a feel, see what options are available, see what other modes are available. Um, I'm not totally disregarding it, but I'm not also um, I'm not entirely sold yet. But again, that's totally on me. That's not the game. That's yeah. a, a kind of hurdle why I need to go over. Yeah, um, I I think my strategy going forward, like obviously, will play play a fair bit more. But uh, I'm going to um, keep playing and I'm going to try and get familiar with an offensive character, a defensive character and a support character. Because I think that way then, like when I start playing a bit more against other people online and I've got people with me who are go- sticking with one character all the time, I can offer kind of varied roles within the group. Because you're able to, once you go into your own safe zone in a, on a map, you're able to change characters at will. You can't just change them anywhere on the map, but if you go back to, like, beyond the choke point you're supposed to create into your little safe zone where you reheal, you can change. So, like, sometimes it might be handy for me to be a support character and stay back and just throw help at all my guys when they're doing the work. Sometimes maybe everybody's trying to be a defensive guy to set up traps and everything, and they need someone to go in guns blazing and shoot people. So that's my kind of thing. The other game I want to talk about today... Let me just. Can you keep your clothes on for the? It's at least the majority of this uh, review. It's, we'll see how it goes. Okay, all right. Motherfucking doom! <laughs> I wanted to, you could hear me on the podcast last week. I so wanted to talk about this game. Kind of glad I didn't because I literally just before we start recording this, I beat the campaign on Doom. Mm-hmm. Right, so reel it back. We know from previous episodes of this podcast i'm a massive doom fan doom is the first game i ever played it is still one of my favorite games of all time uh we also know that when the multiplayer beta came around most people were very disappointed we had a bit of fun with it when we found the power-ups to turn you into one of the revenant characters with the guns over their shoulders but apart from that we were kind of uh, you know so so mixed emotions yeah so so about it um the one thing that we were happy with was that it seems a bit it, it seemed quick it yeah. didn't seem weighty, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It mean it. I felt doom quick. It felt id software mm-hmm. first person shooter mm-hmm. quick. Yeah. So, Doom comes out, and I'm obviously getting it because I'm a Doom fan. Um, but at the same time, I've tempered my expectations because I genuinely there's part of me that goes, "This is a game that's very much a product of its time." I don't know if you can do it. If you can capture the lightning in a bottle again. Based on the multiplayer beta, I really don't know if they could. Um, But then on the other side of things, you're going, well, Bethesda handed off Wolfenstein to Machine Games, and they did an unbelievable job bringing Wolfenstein into... Or Wolfenstein, sorry, into a modern era when um, the New Order came out. And its subsequent uh, DLC, The the Old Blood. Mm -hmm. Um, They did an absolutely wonderful job with that game so that made me kind of think okay maybe like if Bethesda are looking over this I know it's id doing it and 
most of the people like John Carmack and stuff like that aren't at it anymore. Uh, so it's not the old Doom people. Um, but it seems, before we even get into the meat of it, uh, it seems that the new Doom, 2016's Doom, which for all intents and purposes I may refer to as Doom 4, just to stop the confusion, but it's just called Doom. Um, what it seems like they, the people at id have done is they seem to be massive Doom fans themselves. And the game is all at once incredible fan service to people who know what it's on what what they're on about this is the campaign i'm speaking of specifically uh it's it's all at once uh incredible fan service to people who uh who know the franchise and things like that and also one of the most fun and frantic first person shooters i have played genuinely in years um I have like I have really tried the reason it's taken me this long to beat it is because I've really been trying to savour it and not like blitz through the whole fucking thing um, it is hard as nails hard as coffin nails like I played what, what on what difficulty was you playing on? I was playing on what would be probably considered hard I think it's the what is it called? Hurt Me Plenty it's the one that's underneath uh, the the ones that you unlock later Nightmare and stuff right, right. like that can you switch between difficulty? you can switch on the fly in the middle of missions if you want right? Uh, and all it does like with the changing difficulties I don't think it spawns less enemies when you drop a difficulty I think what it does is it just makes them less bullet spongy yeah which is what and classic Doom has always been a little bit more bullet spongy yeah, yeah. Um, that, that so, is how Doom has always been like yeah that. so there came a certain choke point and I thought it was about halfway through the game but it turns out it was more closer to about a third of the way through the game where you know you get into these arenas and um, there's just wave after wave after wave after wave of enemies coming at you, all sorts of different varieties all at once. And I'll speak more on that in a second. Uh, where I kind of just it was getting too much, and my fear was kind of well, if I keep putting my head against this, maybe I won't find it fun anymore. So dropped it down, and I, I said to you last night, as it turns out, if I hadn't dropped it down then, it wouldn't have been many more hours before I ended up dropping it down because even on lower difficulties. Some of the fights in the back half of that game are nightmare fuel. <laughs> um, the the way this game is structured, right? Firstly, let's talk about the story. The story is there, but it's not. Um, it's not massively important. I think it was John Carmack who's the man that said, like, uh, he once said, "Story in video games is kind of like story in porn. It's expected to be there, but it's not really that important." I. <laughs> I it's it Show feels like I'm pretty sure it was John Carmack. It was one of the id guys. Was it him or Romero said it? From what I've seen, it feels like it's a holding mechanic for the game to be there. Yeah, like basically the the story is that you are the Doom Marine from the original games, and you have somehow been frozen in this sarcophagus. And at the start of the game, you are woken up, and you are fucking pissed about it. <laughs> Uh, and you just want to smash everything. Like there are great moments of interaction between you and the doctor of the uh, the, the facility on Mars. Dr. Hayden, who's trying to tell you, is like, okay, right, you need to remove these pods, you need to remove them carefully, and your Doom Marine is just like, fuck this, and he just kicks the fucking thing. Or there's one point at which he says, you know, to be careful with the equipment, like very early, right before the title sequence starts, tells you to be careful, and you literally just punch through the screen. Yeah. It's yep. fucking fantastic. There, there's one point where there's like a, you have to get a retinal scan, 
and then obviously it's not your retina. So you have to go find like the top half of a body, and you pick up the body. And the body disappears, like a really old school kind of game thing, as if you like you put your the, the top half of a body in your fucking invisible backpack or something. And you walk up when you go do the retina scan. You grab the body by the back of the head and smash it into the retinal scanner. <laughs> like Doomguy is so like he's so fucking angry all the time. Like there's such a like. It's weird because in some games, like, where the character, like, their only character trope is that they're angry, I don't like it. Like, God of War is a classic example. Where, like, Kratos' one thing is that he's fucking annoyed all the time. Like, that's all there is to him, and that kind of gets tiresome. But this is brilliant. This is fucking great. Um, There's, uh, the music is incredible. Like, there are tracks that harken back to the tracks from the original Doom games. Um... There are there's just unbelievable musical cues in it. Like the the title sequence goes into the, like a remix version of E One M One, which is the famous level one music yeah, from yeah. the original Doom in ninety three, and the very last like what would be two beats of a drum in that are you cocking your shotgun? The uh, Jim Sterling said this on his podcast as well. The time between when you hit start new game and when you shoot something in the face is all of about four seconds. Yes, I have noticed that. Right, that's, that's okay. one of the key Incredible. things. Incredible. The game moves quick as fuck. Right, it moves like old school shooters do. It doesn't move with this kind of encumbrance and this feeling, kind of like the um, the, the Gears of War thing, where you were running around and you feel like you're carrying a thousand pounds of iron around you yeah. between guns and armor and stuff like that. And muscle, no. obviously. Yeah, and, and muscle and square jaws and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Real game for real men, but. Um, it makes it feel very frantic. It makes it feel like there's things going on all the time. The arenas that um, the the battles take place in, kind of there are choke points and stuff like that where you you encounter like a bunch of enemies in a corridor. But largely, battles in the game take place in big open arenas. Now it never feels like kind of sometimes Uncharted. Like you're playing through Uncharted on our YouTube channel at the moment. Sometimes it feels like in the early Uncharted games that you're just kind of wandering between arenas. And you get to the arena and you're like. <sighs> Yeah, that's pretty much where I am with Uncharted at the moment. You walk to an <laughs> arena in Doom, you're like, oh boy. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're looking at different... There's different things around, like there's different boost pads to get you up in the air, or there's like late, late in the game, there are different portals to kind of shove you into different points on the map. Um, the, the game uh, punishes you for several things, right? The game will punish you if you ever stand still for too long. The enemies are hyper-aggressive in a way that I have not seen... I, I like Doom might be the last time I've seen enemies this consistently aggressive and that's no matter what difficulty you are on mm. they are always all of them running straight at you as fast as they can <laughs> and all firing it's at like you it's like 28 days later the game yeah so if you stand still particularly on higher difficulties if you stand still you will be dead in seconds yeah right that because that that is how hardcore it is the the other thing it punishes you for is if you stick with the same weapon for too long this is I I noticed this while I've been watching you play is you do not stick with a weapon for any longer than like a couple of seconds and I've also noticed as well and this is one thing one of the things I really like what I've seen is that it really you you get a feel for okay I need to use this weapon on that particular enemy yep, so you yep. don't go through the game just you, you favorite in one style and I'll tell you a game, game that actually did this pretty well as well is Gears of War because there are certain enemies where you have to like the railgun is used for like in headshots and certain enemies but you really feel from watching you play it like the shotgun is a good kind of crowd control for the smaller imps Mm -hmm. and then you what it also does as well with some of the medium to large size enemies what I like the not necessarily the shotgun but you then get the super shotgun which is a double barrel shotgun 
that looks like old timey double barrel shotgun kind of like it kind of not unlike the normal shotgun from the original doom um you get that and what that's really good at is with those large the the hell knights that are constantly like jumping up in the air and trying to smash down on you like if you can aim at if you can hit them in the chest or the head it staggers them yeah so that is that can be incredibly useful if there's like two or three of them running at you that you can keep staggering them until you kill them um the variants in enemies and weapons complement each other beautifully which is kind of relating to your point um, there's a full wheel of weapons if you are clever enough and you spot enough secrets in the game you will have acquired all the available weapons with the exception of one which I'll mention in a minute uh, with the exception of one within the first couple of hours of the game you will have gotten all the standard weapons and the chainsaw uh, within a couple the variants and enemies yeah so there are a huge amount of enemies uh, some of them are all are kind of not from the original Doom game some of them are like you have your your pinky enemies who are I was afraid weren't going to be in it the hyper aggressive kind of pink meaty looking beasts that come at you and bite you um, those fuckers are still in it and you saw when I had just started encountering them they are massively aggressive yep. uh, even on the scale of the the Doom 4 enemies uh, the caco demons the, the floating ball of the kind of like floating meatball of Doom uh, they're still in it the lost souls are in it which I thought they weren't going to be the, the, in, the flaming skulls that fly at you in terms of fan service it, I think from what I've seen it ticks every single box oh, every single one yeah. like even some of the trophies like one of the trophies are called E1M1 after that song uh, one of the trophies are called it, it, there's a couple of trophies named after cheat codes from the original um, from the original Doom the trophy this is this is one I don't think uh, you saw because I didn't I haven't played multiplayer around you before. Uh, there's a trophy for the multiplayer that is named after the executable file for the multiplayer on Doom. It's like ipxsetup.exe is the name of the trophy or something like that. I was like that is fucking amazing, right? So um, yeah, fan service. The like you said, you get to figure out fairly early on. Um, what weapon works best for you in each situation like you pretty much the pistol is only good for shooting your very basic enemies because it's got infinite ammo and you don't want to waste your bigger weapons like if you went in with a super shotgun you're going to blow enemies like weaker enemies to bits with one shot and you've wasted two shells then you don't want you want to save the shotgun for the big fight you want to save the railgun for the big fight so you kind of go down there's a particular type of enemy I can't think of its name the thing that looks like a kind of teleporting xenomorph yes that I was fucking me up so much early on in the game but then I figured out that the plasma cannon is good because if you get up to her because I like going in close quarters you've seen that I like going in close quarters in these games and if you get close to her she will teleport again so the best way to deal with her is like something like a plasma rifle from a distance because you you could try and target her with a rocket launcher but there's every chance that when the rocket is halfway there she'll teleport so that's a wasted rocket so the plasma rifle because you can shut it off at any point but it does hella damage you can do that there are these massive enemies that aren't kind of reminiscent of anything from the original doom there are these like kind of massive blubbering things that shoot fire and stuff like that and they have like a green kind of yeah. uh, chest piece on them I'm gonna and I found there's a thing called the gauss cannon which charges a laser and shoots at them and I found like head you saw me they are massively difficult to kill with normal bullets but if you get that gauss cannon and you manage to get a couple of upgrades which is another thing we need to tip on but um, if you fire off a couple of headshots at that thing it's down yeah, straight away, and that's like just trial and error. I'm I'm gonna calm you down because I feel like you might be going on for a while here. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I feel 
from the the brief amount of time that I've spent playing it and from what I've been watching, because I'm going to go, I'm going to play this game from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a particular way that I like to play games in 2016, and that's usually I like to put my feet up, I like to have um, a podcast to the side of me, that's, yeah, um, I and I like to well. kind of go at my own sort of leisurely pace. Yeah. With Doom... I want to sit in a darkened room. I want to put some headphones on. I want to crank that bastard up. Yeah. Uh, and I want to. I get the feeling when I start playing it like that, I'm going to feel something that I've not felt from playing a video game in a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, There's also a sensation you'll get of the you will need to actually have a word with yourself to stop yourself playing it so that there's more Doom left to play. Well, there. Because yeah. there's a very good chance that if you like took this at the start of a weekend, I wouldn't see you until you'd beaten it. Oh god, yeah. Like yeah. I know that when I start this. That's it. That's all my life will be until like, I finish it. I beat it today. Yeah. I already want to start playing it. Again. I'm sure you do. Do you know what I mean? Um, but talking about the the combat again, um, there was something else I wanted to put in there. Make it make it sort of a, a kind of last general point before we move on to the next thing, because otherwise you, I, you will literally be here all night. Yeah, I want to think. Oh, so there's an upgrade system to it that kind of. Um, it's not pervasive in as much as like you feel that without the upgrades you can't beat the game. That's not necessarily true. But there are avenues through which you can upgrade your suit, you can upgrade your weapons, um, you can get these rune boosts by doing special challenges that are hidden throughout the levels. Um, that'll make life easier for you or make you better equipped to use your favourite weapons. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I have the super shotgun and the gauss cannon and a couple of others fully upgraded. Um the speaking of fan service some of the secrets that are hidden in that game like there are uh, I've seen a few gifts there are, there are doom guys hidden in different levels and he does different things with them. like there's one the famous one that's going around where he finds a little doom guy figurine and fist bumps it that's pretty great there are little small things like um when you uh die if you die early on there's like an industrial area in the UAC um research place and you can fall into molten metal and die. And if you fall in, you do the Terminator 2 thing of sticking the thumbs up as you're sinking into the molten metal, mm-hmm. which is fucking spectacular. Oh, the other thing I want to say about the combat, that was the thing. Uh, the glory kills. So you get an enemy down to a certain amount of weakness and they'll start to glow blue or orange. And what you do then is you go in close and you hit R3 and you do a ridiculously gory kill like it could be ripping their head off it could be punching them until there's just paste left instead of a head could be any number of things and each enemy will have like four or five different variations on a glory kill so it's never the same one over and over again no matter what enemy yeah. uh, you were incentivized to do that because if you glory kill them rather than shoot them completely dead with their with your weapons they will drop health and they will drop ammo Um, the other thing you get a chainsaw so the chainsaw operates on a fuel system, which I thought I thought was going to be like, oh, for fuck's sake, like, I, I just want to be able to use a chainsaw when I can. But it's incredible, because what they've done is, it does operate on a fuel system, and the bigger the enemy you try to take down with it, and not all enemies, some of the bosses are completely immune to the chainsaw, so don't even try that. The, um, the chainsaw, the bigger the enemy, yeah, the more fuel it takes up. So, like, you need to really pick and choose. Like, when you get to the, I can never think of their names, but those minotaur guys that shoot the green fire that are from the original Doom, if you take one of them down, it's going to use up all your petrol in one go. But it is an incredible kill where you saw off their leg and then go through their face with the chainsaw. Um, what happens then is, what the game has done is it's designed things so that the chainsaw is your last-ditch weapon. If you're running out of ammo, 
use the chainsaw and if it's a big enemy that goes down to the chainsaw they will drop an enormous amount of ammo which gets you back up and running now it won't drop chainsaw fuel yeah that's the rub uh, the other thing is possibly uh, one of the most uh, pant-wettingly amazing things that has happened uh, in a long, long time. I didn't know, and I purposely didn't look it up to see if they were going to do it, but uh, late on in the game, picking up the BFG 9000, and it still has that power to wipe out a room full of people. But again, what they've done is they've got the balance of that right, where much like the early Doom games, is very limited ammo on the BFG, and because of the way it works with waves and stuff like that, if you don't aim that thing right and use it at the right time, it's not going to solve all your problems. And sometimes late on in the game, you get the feeling that you should be saving that up because when a boss comes, it could be the only way to stagger them or cause them a significant amount of damage is if you haven't blown your wad with the BFG yeah, early yeah. on. Uh, all in all, sum it up because I know I've been going on for quite a while, but Jesus Christ, this fucking game. Um, I'm looking forward to playing it. I'll say that much. This... I will be absolutely shocked if now the the multiplayer is going to cost a little when it comes down to discussions at the time, but I'll be absolutely stunned if this doesn't end up in serious consideration for game of the year. It's a it's a strong dark horse for me. I know there's a couple of big games coming out this year, No Man's Sky and the like. People are looking very much forward to, but this it, it this I think they did a better job of doing because it was a harder ask than what they what Machine Games did with Wolfenstein. I think it was a bigger hill to climb, especially because we had the likes of Doom 3, which is very, very disappointing to me. Um, they have done absolutely phenomenal work uh, when no one thought they could. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic. It is a throwback. It is going to be fun for fans of the Doom franchise. It is going to be fun for people just coming to it for the first time. It is exactly what you want from a game called Doom. That's pretty much it. It is absolutely stellar and a thorough recommendation for me. So yeah, now that I've got that out, like, I feel... Ooh. Do you feel better? I feel good. Good. I feel good. <laughs> I just want to play Doom. You can't. We I have can't. To talk, we have to talk about the news. Let's talk about the news. The news! News on the mark! Not a huge week for news this week, Mark, which I think for the sake of the running time on this show is a good thing. There is but, a few things to talk about. Uh, there's a couple of things to talk about, namely the the game I just mentioned there moments ago, No Man's Sky. Yes. I think I can safely say you are much like myself. There is excitement, but a tentative excitement for this game, gen- generally speaking. If this game can achieve the things it says it will while also having an aim rather than being completely meandering it'll be amazing but there's kind of a certain we've been burned before element to this game coming out where it's like much as I want to believe I'm going to temper it and not get too carried away people got carried away in a big way this week so. okay, do you mind if I take over here because I have a few things I want to say about okay, this well, do you, will I give a brief overview or do you want to go straight to it I, I can do the brief overview and go straight into it okay so well I remember like I was online because it was late at night and I remember when this story broke or the rumours that this was about to break Kotaku reported that something that this might have been the case but go on then you can you take the wheel there for a while so last week uh, a guy at kotaku.co.uk by the name of Jason Schreier I want to say his no, last he, name he's, uh, he's main Kotaku he's Kotaku US oh Kotaku US yeah, apologies Jason Schreier um, so he put out um, an article basically saying that 
he had it on relatively good authority that No Man's Sky was going to be delayed till August. Mm. Um, it wasn't officially out yet by GameStop or uh, GameSpot or Sony or Hello Games, but he was like, "Yeah, it's going to be delayed till August." Now, the natural response to have to that is, "Well, that's a shame," but I mean, it's going to pro- you know, it's going to be one of the biggest releases of the year. It's very close to the actual release date, but they haven't it hasn't gone gold yet, so. My- my philosophy on it is the same as I think it's Shigeru Miyamoto said it or it could have possibly been Iwata um, one of them said a delayed game is only delayed for a while but a bad game is bad forever Yeah. so I always much as I'm disappointed when a game gets delayed I say to myself well I'd rather it got delayed than it comes out broken or terrible you know what I mean like take as long as you need to make that game good like you've got Uncharted got delayed for cumulatively like a year and a half or so mm-hmm. past when they said it was going to come out and fuck did they like they made good use of that time now let me read you uh, a dm that uh, jason schreier uh, tweeted out to everyone yeah. that he the received the internet weren't as um rational as i was yeah so i won't give this. this person's uh, twitter handle out but i did kind of suggest that he seek some serious professional help like only about 25 was, likes again, brand. Let, let's all talk about how this was before it was confirmed yes Yes, now, it ended up being confirmed. Yes. So, uh, DM to uh, Jason Schreier. Your little article about No Man's Sky being delayed has made... Comma, by the way, incorrect punctuation. Uh, has made me hate you to my very core. It's the only thing I live for. And you go and write that bullshit about a delay. Instead of visiting London later this month, I think I'll come by and say hi to you and fuck you up. I get the feeling you can't do that. You think you can get away with this that easy? Making fun of our Reddit page also? Sounds like you have a death wish. We will find you. Be afraid, human. We are coming for you. Now, uh, now I went over... What are the chances he's 12? Well, yeah. So I went over to the the Reddit page and uh, about 95% of the people was decrying like this. is just that you are a fucking clown. What is wrong with you? Why are you giving... Um, Most people are rational. Giving the the No Man's Sky community who are looking forward to this game, you've given us a bad name. Mm. Uh, But there were a few people that were very much for this uh, DM that was sent to Jason Schreier. And I just, I can't get it into my system because I'm a rational thinking human being. That in any way, this is a positive to send this out. Because first of all... uh, it ended up being confirmed that he'd been delayed anyway. So you look like a massive tip. So you look like a massive tip. There was also uh, negativity sent uh, in in the direction of Hello Games. That... I'm just about to, uh, to, to I, I just loaded up Sean Murray's Twitter account here. but Yeah, so he's been getting, he's been harassed about it. Now explain to me, David, because you're also a rational sound human being. Explain to me how harassing the developer of a video game that you are going to murder them and their family or whatever if they don't release this game quicker is going to get the game released quicker. Oh, it's very simple. Yeah? It doesn't at all. Oh, that's, that's the one. Yeah, right. Um, so, <laughs> Sean Murray. I'll tell you what. Sean Murray is a man for the banter, and I appreciate that. Like, I once remember watching a stream of him playing No Man's Sky, but I think it was IGN, and them saying, uh, you know, him showing about the, the, was it the Guardians or whatever they're called, coming to, if you start fucking up a planet, they'll come and try and kill you. Mm. And he was basically like, well, it turns out that Grand Theft Auto hadn't planted the... F- hadn't uh, patented the five-star warring system, so we've just taken it. <laughs> so, like, I knew he was a man for the banter, but this is the way he reacted, which I think was a very good-humoured way to react to something so shitty. Uh, he goes, I've received loads of death threats. 
this week. But don't worry, Hello Games now looks like the house from Home Alone. Hashtag Pillow Fort. <laughs> Tell me when it's safe to remove the marbles and oil from the stairs. It's getting really cumbersome and I need the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just, it's another, it's another situation where um, a very, very small minority of the video community makes us all look, look like a bunch of raging dickheads. Yeah. And considering it's the, it's considering the light had been taken away from us for a moment because the comic book scene, uh, uh, comic book community had been doing a very good fire. job yeah. of being a massive bunch of bellends around yeah. this whole uh, Captain America scenario. I'll tell you what. We, the, the video game community, brought it clamouring back uh, to yeah. us. And I just... He was momentarily off after the Uncharted 4 review fiasco. Yeah. Where there was also death threats and petitions and things like that being thrown around. So it's just... I'm not going to say it's upsetting. It's just dumb. It's yeah. really Look, dumb. It's, I understand anybody that's disappointed that this game isn't coming out. As it happens, I wouldn't have been around for launch day anyway, so it's not the biggest deal in the world. I'm going to be abroad yeah. when that happens. I can understand. Like It's always disappointing when you're really looking forward to something and that gets delayed a bit more. Like It's delayed now until August 9th, I think, if yeah. this is the new date. Um, yeah, 9th of August. Yeah, But also... But at the same time... It's a fucking video game. <laughs> there are fucking people saying, this is the game I've been waiting for all my life. This is a game when I started playing video games 25 years ago. Fuck you. It, 25 years. That was 1991. No way back in 1991 was you thinking, you know what? One day there's going to be this game where like there's an infinite um, number of universes yeah. that I can go and explore. No, fuck you. You was playing uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and having a fun time with that. And it's like, if video games didn't get any better than this, that would be great. There's this cycle that's kind of like, you know, we're rational because we've been burned before and stuff like that. That's just but these people, not who do, these people who don't learn and just build themselves up and build themselves up. And like, like I said to you, like this, like if this game comes out and cures several forms of cancer and is also somehow Jesus, people will still be mad at it somehow. Oh, of course. Do you know what oh, I mean? Like, but that's because the, the buildup has been so huge. There's a reason Sean Murray has stopped going to conventions yeah. <laughs> and stopped showing up at stuff. Unless yeah. Sony have kind of said, show up please. Yeah. You know, because they've got a heavy investment in it. The reason is because he consciously realizes, like, they announced this game a bit too early. It's like he and has given the internet hype machine a chance to go into overdrive. Yeah. Um, like, like I, I just don't know what's going to happen if this game comes out, and I don't think it is going to be this. But if it comes out and basically is the order, uh, I don't what? think. Imagine, like, imagine if it's that level of like disappointment. Well, this is the thing as well. Now is like. We had the fiasco last month about the Uncharted 4 reviews. Yeah. Can you imagine... Oh, it's going to be unbelievable. The internet is going to set itself on fire for about a week. Yeah. Um, and I just... I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm just going to want to shut Twitter off for, for, for a week. Yeah, I'm well, just, luckily, uh, most, if not all, of the people we actually follow aren't those kind of people on, the, no, on social media. but... There'll be one or two that'll sneak in or get retweeted that'll make you mad. Uh, at some I'll point... one thing, I'll not be going on Reddit. Oh, Jesus, no. Not happening. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's yeah. get away so from that. So that's No Man's Sky, delayed till August 9th. And, you know, we wish Hello Games and stuff the best of luck delivering uh, a very good game. Indeed. Which I'm sure they're, they're very talented people. I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll put it off to some extent anyway. Uh, new Xboxes on the way, Mark. So not just one kind of new Xbox, but two. Apparently so. So reportedly, later this year, we'll be getting... 
what they're calling the Xbox One Slim. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the final title of it, but that's kind of the preliminary. I figured um, we'd get something like that eventually anyway. Oh, well, it's going to happen. Like It's the, the Moore's Law thing in technology where like technology either gets, like, was it half the half the size, twice as fast, or half the price every 18 months. Yeah. Uh, so it was there was going to come a point at which the production costs uh, could be lowered by making the console in a more efficient way. Like, it, you know, the, it's what's happened since fucking god like way back when with like the ps1 one you know being a slim version of that original playstation like it's able to do all the same stuff in a much smaller box the ps2 slim i think was the one that astounded people the most because that thing is like the size of a dvd case. it's ridiculous that that it's incredible yeah like, it's still marvels but we still have one it's, here it's like the console the home console equivalent of the game boy micro yeah, you know, it's the, that slim. The, that the PS3 slim wasn't that much slimmer and was still ugly, but ugly in a different way. Yeah, uh, both versions of that. I had the matte one, not the one with the pop top on it. I had the yeah, I had the the, the one that you kind of slide across. Yeah, I didn't have that one. Yeah, yeah I had that one. one really have. fucking weird. Never yeah, understood yeah. what was going on. Very strange. There. The PS3 and Manny, we should talk about the PS3 someday. We've got no news. Dear God, it's a lot to say. Um, How the times have changed. There's a great. By the way. There's a great. It was a Brian Altano's t- told a story where like they were all um, in the room. IGN or whoever it was he was working for at the time. They were all in the room when uh, Jackie T or someone just went and it will be six hundred dollars and they all just started <laughs> laughing. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? You might as well have said it will be a million dollars. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. So the Xbox One Slim is apparently coming out later this year. And in fairness, of the two consoles, that is the one that definitely needs a slim version because I have mine here. You've seen the fucking size of it. There are VCRs I have owned that are smaller. It's beastly. It's it's massive. And there's also. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. It is, uh, in my experience, uh, a machine that runs cooler than the PS4, runs quieter than the PS4. So whatever it's doing in there, it's doing quite well. Well, of course it runs quietly because you never turn it on. No, but when it's on, it's quite silent. That was just a quick. Yeah, minute. but like if you're playing something like Unch- like Uncharted Four on a PS4, like you can hear the thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, starting to go, like st- hear the fans starting to go on it. Because it's, it's a lot up. different from the Xbox 360. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, put it that way. Uh, but like the Xbox One, like in terms of what it does, like I know it's not as powerful as a PS4, but in terms of actual reliable for long gaming sessions and stuff like that, without feeling like oh maybe I should turn it off when yeah. this fucking thing overheats or anything like that better than the ps4 and that so i would be interested to see what the, the xbox one slim can do and then there's the um the new version of the xbox one which is being called the um don't the miss as well xbox one scorpio don't miss as well with the slim that uh apparently it should be about 40 percent smaller should come with two terabytes of storage which is i'll tell you that's the one the one apart from the fact there's no fucking games on it the one massive thing about the actual machine is that the 500 gig internal storage without you being able to do the customizable thing on the PlayStation and actually replace the internal hard drive? Bullshit. Yeah. Well, I'll be very curious to see. Uh, so if this is a two terabyte storage and it's 40% smaller, uh, will there be a disk drive? I presume there will be. There has to be for well, kind of contractual reasons. Forgot about the... But I'm curious to see where this 40% they're going to cut off comes from. Like, is the Connect support, is that going to be integrated still? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how this turns out because 
I'm well, still. Gets, in... I'll tell you what. If it's forty percent smaller, it gets rid of what a lot of people's hope were that that power brick was going to migrate into the console somehow. Mm, no, that's not going to happen. No. So I, that I is, it is a weighty power brick. Oh yeah, yeah. With that thing. Like I'm still nowhere near nearer interested to get in an Xbox One. And to be honest, the next console that I probably buy will be an NX. Um, yeah. I just I can see myself just completely passing by the Xbox One this generation. Yeah. yeah. Mainly because I live in a house where you have one. So yeah, but that's the thing. One. Like I'm glad I have it, and like for the like. I, to be honest, between Rise of the Tomb Raider and Sunset Overdrive, I'm very glad I bought it. And there's a couple of games like ReCore coming out. But apart from that, like if you're not somebody who like is able to buy one and you have the choice where you have to buy either or PlayStation or Xbox One, it's absolute madness. Yeah, and to buy I, the Xbox I one. like Gears of War, but I am not in a position where I it's need It's not to... the one that sold the console for me. You know what I mean? I'm happy that I have it, that I'll get to play it when it comes out. Yeah. The same like I was with Halo 5, but it wasn't. Oh, I'll tell you what right now. It was the reason... Well, it, that and Viva Pinata were the reason I bought a 360. Mm. Um, but it's not going to be the reason I buy an Xbox One. So... Yeah, so that's well. Xbox One. So, Xbox One Scorpio. Um, Xbox One Scorpio is going to be the new model, the one that's going to do the, the, the same kind of thing that the, the PS4 Neo is going to be doing with the 4K streaming. And the 4K gaming natively uh, support VR headsets like the Oculus Rift, uh, Oculus Rift even, uh, could feature anywhere up to six teraflops of compute computational power, which puts it well ahead of the rumors of uh, the PS4 Neo. Again, remains to be seen. Um, there are certain kind of, because uh, I can understand more Xbox One going for the Xbox One Scorpio upgrade then I can understand PS4 going for PS4 Neo. Because there is that performance gap stick that Xbox keep being beaten with. Like whenever a new game comes out, that Digital Foundry do an article on the big game and about how PS4 looks unbelievably good for a console and Xbox One looks unbelievably good for a console if you're looking at it through about four inches of water. <laughs> you know, or a dense fog. Yeah. Um. So, like, that's one of the things that, like, I can imagine from Microsoft, the, the fact that kind of uh, they're constantly getting slagged for, you know, why can, why can uh, PS4 basically do 1080p for most of their big, big games and Xbox are like 720, 920p at best, you know, and not even some of the earlier games that came out that were trying to do 920p couldn't even hold 920p stably. So yeah. I think uh, I, I can understand that ambition. Another problem that, interest me. that X, Xbox and Microsoft as a whole have have at the moment is they're doing this really weird thing where they have Xbox in one hand and Windows in the other hand, or Windows Microsoft Gaming, and like trying to make them kiss. Yeah, but it's like they're two sides of the same coin, but they're still two different coins, mm. and I feel like they're kind of cannibalizing each other. And if they just hurry up, hurry it up, and just did the thing that they need to fucking do, which is make it one thing, that might help them. Mm. Um, because I feel, like, for me at the moment, if I wanted to play anything um, that might be on uh, an Xbox One, there's a good chance that I'd rather just buy a fucking souped-up PC and play it that way. Because you'd use a souped-up PC for other things. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel that while this is grand what Scorpio, uh, Microsoft are doing with the Scorpio and, like... With everything about the PS4 Neo, it's kind of needed that Microsoft are showing to be doing stuff. Mm. I just, I feel it's not the biggest problem they've got right now. I know it's what they need to do because they need to stay competitive and they need to have a souped up version of the Xbox One. But it's just not the problem, the, the biggest problem I see with them right now. Um, 
So I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see at E3. See what they announce because they're going to have to. They they need to fucking take a good E3, few. This E3 runs. isn't shaping up to be like the most exciting E3 of all time, but fuck, is it shaping up to be one of the most interesting ones? Oh yeah. Between VR, the console upgrades, the fucking constant enigma that is Nintendo, different things. Looking forward to that. That's less than three weeks away from the time of recording now, which is pretty scary. It's actually be three weeks from today as we're recording it, I think. Madness. That I'll be sitting here doing my uh, coverage for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to actually do our uh, our prediction cast as well. Yes, we will. Quite soon. Yep. Um, <sighs> feels like every week the, these guys come up <laughs> our news, Look, the next story. Have you watched... Tell me about Mighty Number no. 9. I haven't because I've seen people talk about it and I don't want to upset myself. It's so bad. Um, you know, have you like ever gone back and watched any video game commercial from the nineties? Um, not in a while, I don't think. Okay, I would recommend. I'm putting it on in the background here now. Uh, well, no, because it's about the sound. That's what what the the ah. the commentator. That's what you really have to kind of pay attention to. I would just recommend going back and watching any kind of um early nineties Sega Genesis uh, commercial or Jaguar, any of them. Mm-hmm fucking horrendous it's along those lines and it doesn't do this game any more uh service in terms of making it something that i want to play yeah let's put a sample of that horrendous commentary in here now so yeah some bullshit there uh, um i don't know like what i've been i can't remember what i've been saying the last few times you've spoken about this game because i feel like at the start of it was I'm not too sure about it. I will still play it. I'll probably get something out of it. And I'm pretty sure at some point I've gone to, I will still play it. I don't know what to expect. I don't know where I'm at now. I, I feel like I don't even want to go anywhere near it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a really bad trailer. It's a, it's incredibly bad. Like, I can't believe in 2016 that I don't know if uh, the team, like, hired out a, a third-party PR team to kind of put this together but they really need to ask for a refund. Mm. Yeah, that's when we leave that, and hopefully that this story, this developing story on Mighty Number no. 9 will get even worse by the next time we're talking about it. Uh, Fallout 4's uh, substantial piece of story DLC, Far Harbor, came out there not so long ago. I'm gonna and just... Brian's going to talk about it probably on one of the next podcasts he's on. He hasn't I'm, started yet. But... I'm just going to drink this. Go, go ahead. Uh, basically, to the surprise of absolutely no one, uh, something to do with a Fallout game, or something to do with a Bethesda game in general, runs like absolute horseshit on consoles. Um, so apparently, particularly on PS4, this is happening. Where performance... Now, performance was buggy, to say the least, on the main part of Fallout 4. This I'd heard. And the kind of thing you get from Fallout 4 and the Elder Scrolls fans as well, and I mean no disrespect to them, you know, if you, whatever floats your boat... But the thing you get from them, which I just, I can't wrap my head around it at all, Mark. And I don't know if you can as well, is where it's like, ah, look, it's a Fallout game. Ah, look, it's an Elder Scrolls game. These massive bugs are going to happen. And I was like, why? Why do they have to happen? Why? Why can't a game just work? Why do we live in a world where people expect a game not to work? Because once This is like, it's maddening. Once upon a time... A bunch of people played Morrowind and went, yeah. well, this is the greatest game ever, yeah. and whatever this company come up with afterwards is just as good. Well, 
fine with that. And like people fucking love their Skyrim and stuff like that. And I am fine with you loving your Skyrim. And I'm fine with you loving your Fallout. But dear God, don't be an apologist for performance issues in a game. Good God, the amount of money that the Fallout franchise and the Elder Scrolls franchise made. You can hire enough people to make the game work. It's pretty, pretty shocking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And if you make a game, like people say, oh, well, it's so ambitious. You know, of course not everything's going to work. Maybe don't be so ambitious that the console can't handle it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, Witcher got a bit of... Excuse me. Witcher got a bit of a pasting in the early weeks for some performance issues. Excuse me. Sorry, my throat was quite dry there. It's all right. Some performance issues in certain areas in the early weeks. Now, patches subsequent to that have helped improve the performance a lot. And on top of that, as well... Um there was clear if you look back at the E3 trailers there was clearly a point during development where they realised how ambitious they were being and reeled it back a little bit now not quite to the extent where Watch Dogs did where um, the Watch Dogs original E3 trailer from like 2012 or 2011 whenever the fuck because that was the very first next gen game we ever saw before the consoles were even announced I remember like people talking about Watch Dogs like it was the second coming of Christ and by the time it came out they had reeled back so far uh, that it was just bland but what I mean to say is that Witcher was plenty ambitious but realised there's a glass ceiling to that yeah, and stopped there um, when I read stuff like this about Far Harbour that on Playstation 4 the most powerful console right that people are reporting frame rates under 20 <laughs> Like, you're basically playing stop motion. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's fucking ridiculous. It is, if you are releasing a game on a console, the bare, th- the bare minimum you should be asking f- as a consumer is that that game works on the poxy console. You know what I mean? I look, like, if people were going to buy Think about it. the people, I know it's a small percentage of people now, but think about the people with current day consoles who don't fucking have a really fast internet connection. Mm-hmm. Who can't download these massive patches all the time. Yeah. You know, think about them getting the broken day one bullshit game. It's another case of maybe you should have delayed the game another six months to a year. People got really excited by the fact that the the time in between when Fallout 4 was announced and was released was only a few months. And that's oh, yeah. great. It's very refreshing. Mm-hmm. And I was as surprised as anyone when they actually hit that release date. But then when I read about the performance issues, maybe not as surprised as I would have been otherwise. Um, but that's the kind of thing not trying to bash Fallout not trying to bash uh, Elder Scrolls or anything like that but this kind of um, uh, trying to release um, content about it is just absolutely subpar um, for console games or anything like that is it's just not on like even this uh, Eurogamer article that talks about it says that like at its worst point it was producing a 15 frame per second lock in 2016 from one of the biggest video game developers in the world. I mean, I don't know what you want me to say. One of the biggest AAA franchises in the world. I don't know what you want me to say. No, I'm not. That's that's pretty much it. It's, it's just, just it's fucking horseshit at the yeah, highest yeah, order. Like. Yeah, pretty much. Do you know what I mean? Like the fact that it's tur- like in 2016, it's targeting 30 FPS. It's not even targeting 60 like a lot of big games are. It's only targeting 30 and can't hit 30 reliably. Is amazing. Like I'm not usually a big frame rate. Uh, snob but this no, you, want, you want it to be playable yeah yeah <laughs> like this is where even i who wouldn't really notice a huge amount between like say 30 and 40 or something like that i when it's something that's the frame rate is so bad that i fucking notice it yeah uh, it's bad times 
Yeah, bad times. Bethesda need to certainly look at kind of certain parts of their game development and uh, I don't know, make make a few changes. We're talk about some uh, some actually good customer service to a fan base at the moment and uh, GTA Online. Oh, that's still a thing, isn't it? <laughs> Two years after its release on PlayStation Four, three years after its release on the last gen consoles, it is still being updated. Yeah, it's mad. It's fucking it's crazy. It's fucking. It's it, like it's it's refreshing. Is what it is, right? So. Rockstar is to deploy one of its biggest ever expansions on 7th of June. And this is making me think, when I read this, I was like, and this is exactly what they want from these kind of things. You read about an update and you go, I must dust off GTA Online and play mm-hmm. for a bit. It's called Further Adventures in Finance and Felony, which is a great name. Uh, it continues the online mod's ever-increasing levels of illegality, now allowing you to become the CEO of your own criminal company. You'll get a high-rise HQ and warehouses across the city of Los Santos in which to store your stolen goods. There's still no sign of a single-player expansion, even though there are reports. It, that's never going to happen. There's no need for it to happen. There's no need. It's kind of... All it might be would be kind of like um, whetting the appetite in between GTA There, there is no cost-incentive reason to make it. GTA Online is, I would presume... Obviously, I don't work for Rockstar North, but I could fucking guarantee you right now. GTA Online and any expansions they do to it is a cost-effective way... Of making a shitload of money. Well, I'll tell you one thing as well is that, like, just from uh, what's handy is to, that I have my kind of uh, my ear to the ground with what the the kids are playing from teaching, and the kids are still playing GTA. Oh yeah, the kids are still playing and mainly online. Do you yeah. know, like that's the thing. I'm like, I I love single player campaigns and stuff like that, but the kids are where the money's at. So that's uh, that's what they're doing. So that's a fair play. I mean, the thing as well, like, so the, the couple of screenshots that have, that have come out. Of the it, the, the uh, thing as well with GTA Online as well is uh, it falls very much into that Minecraft streaming kind of territory. You know, like you can pop that on for an hour each day, and you're gonna have a completely different experience of what you do. Mm. You know, yeah. Um, tomorrow is recording this, and today as you're hearing it, uh, if you listen to this on release day on Tuesday. Um, the final expansion for Witcher 3 comes out uh, Blood and Wine set in the new area of Toussaint we talked about this uh, on last week's show and just basically to mention that it's coming out I'm very excited um, there's 30 new hours um, they've redesigned uh, the, a lot about the game they've added this new area that's massively beautiful it's going to be a huge update that's packed along with it for the game that's going to Im- improve performance even further because there are still a couple of areas on the map where uh, things start to jitter a little performance wise um, yeah this is like I'm hoping for a nice conclusion to what has been one of the best video game experiences I've had in several years um, but keep an eye out for that if you're someone who has the season pass you'll get the, the automatic download should start at midnight tonight as I'm listening to it it should have already started for you basically we're losing Brian for a week and me well yeah <laughs> this is like this is the one like kind of RPG where I'm like yeah I'm 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 hella excited like I'm gonna leave it on at midnight tonight download the whole thing and hopefully by the time I get home from work tomorrow on my last day it'll be ready and much like last summer I'm going to waste an awful lot of this summer playing The Witcher hopefully um, it feels like every so often we're coming out with another astounding stat about how the PS4 just isn't slowing down in terms of like how much of the market it's gobbling up uh, we've officially passed uh, globally speaking 40 million units of PS4 being sold which is astonishing the console passed 40 million milestone this week this is from Eurogamer Sony reported today it remains the fastest selling PlayStation in the company's history and when you think about when you think about 
how historically amazingly well the PS2 sold and about how ubiquitous the PS2 was at the time. And I must remark that at least for a while during the PS2 era, there was pretty much no competition because I, d I think it would be a little farcical really to call Dreamcast competition during the early phase of the PS2 and GameCube and Xbox didn't arrive till about 2003 which gave the PS2 a, nearly a two year head start on either one of them mm -hmm. so it's kind of it's not as impressive as when you launch pretty much the same time as a competitor that was whooping your ass most of the last generation like I don't think like I'm you know I, I love my Playstation I loved my PS3 for all it's fucking faults and there were many of them but even I wouldn't be so brazen as to say that PS3 was able to hold its own in the console war last generation like it was Xbox all day long and PS3 only really started to get within reach by the end of that cycle but PS4 is absolutely raging away it is expected to sell another 20 million by the end of the year passing 60 million um, which is absolutely astounding and let's just hope because Sony do have a history of throwing the baby out of the batwater that they don't shoot themselves at some point well I'm just having a look here so uh, the best selling console of all time do you know what that is? it's the Wii U no the Wii U. sorry the Wii nope uh, Game Boy nope it's not PS2 PS2. It is PS2, yeah. 155... See, I thought it was PS2 and I was like, well, you're asking me so maybe it's a trick question. 155 million units sold since is, 2000. Is the Wii behind it? No. Nintendo DS. Oh, yeah. 154. Then. Game Boy, Game Boy Color, 118. The original PlayStation, 102. Then the Wii. Oh. Uh, to be fair, so the original PlayStation came out in 1994 and sold 102 million units. The Wii came out in 2006 and sold 101 million units. That's pretty good going. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so as I'm looking at at the moment, uh, the PS4 has now uh, outsold both the N64 and the Sega Genesis. Uh, the Super Nintendo sold 49 million units. So, so the next one's going to take I it. I think the, the PS4 is going to So easily... by the end of the year, where is it sitting in the chart? If it gets the projected 60 million of all time, where is it? Um, it has outsold the SNES and the 3DS and will be uh, a million just behind the original NES. That's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And when you think about it, we're only three years into the console cycle. Yeah, well, think that the PS3, which is what I'm presuming we'll be aiming for, really, uh, is at 83 million as of It'll right now. It'll pass that by the end of next oh, year, surely. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Like it, 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 will, it will plateau at a certain point. It will start to slow down. I don't think it... Like, I would be shocked if it ends up being the, the highest selling console of all time. How the fuck but, did the PlayStation Portable sell 82 million units, by the way? Massive, in it? It was massive in Japan. People still play it. Uh, yeah, I guess. I Yeah, I never think of Japan. I never take yeah. it into account. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so that's, like, incredible stuff. And then our final story for this week, um, which is going to excite. There is a sizable fan base for this franchise, I think it's fair to say. This is one of those games when you hear the, the franchise, you think this is, even though, personally, I have no real massive... Uh, investment in it you think system seller and that's Gran Turismo yep. so Gran Turismo Sport is coming this year mm -hmm. this year Yep. I was shocked by that I thought right that's easily that is the, the Q1 or Q3 game next year that's what I thought it was going to be one of the ten poles for Playstation next year but uh, perhaps and some people have speculated that this might be 
part of PlayStation feeling like maybe Horizon is going to slip into 2017. Even though it's supposed to come out this year. Potentially. I, I mean, I've been reading up about this. Um, uh, I haven't talk played, to me. I haven't Grand played Grand Turismo game in a, a few years now, but I did play the first three, I want to say at least. Um, I tend to buy like every second one. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, I completely skipped out on um, number... Uh, six, six. Yeah. just because fucking prologue was announced and then six came about five years later yeah <laughs> you know yeah uh, i was like i was way past that by yeah, the i had one three and five as a game where i like to have them every so often i get a feeling that i want to play one but i never play it obsessively i'm not that with fifa that's kind of my go-to mm. um what i've seen from the looks of it which is pretty interesting is this idea that they're looking to make this the next big esport game and now, when you think of esports, you think of your uh, Memorgas, Mobas, um, and like Evo tournaments uh, for for, for beat 'em ups. Games, yeah. Sports racing hasn't really tapped into that market yet. I but it's f- kind of surprising when you think about it. Well, not really, because esports the, the esports boom has only been going on for a few years now, and there hasn't been a massive grand, there hasn't been a Grand Turismo. Well, not even just years. that, but I, you know, like Horizon, um, and what's the other one I'm thinking of? Like Gothic Racing, uh, Gotham Racing. Sorry, they're Forza. they're Forza. Yeah, like they're at the point now where I could see the next one getting into that market. But um, well, Forza has um, the unfortunate thing of being kind of like Call of Duty or Assassin's Creed, where they're locked into doing one a year. I can see that. Whereas Gran Turismo is one of these kind of like in the rarefied air of like a GTA where it's like we will take our fucking time with Oh, this it's game. an event, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like it is proper. You don't get that a lot anymore. No, no, no. It's, it's totally It's those and then like Mario Zelda where it's like we're not doing one of these a year. Yeah. You can fucking but divorce yourself of that notion. It's, it's, yeah, actually it's really, I'd never thought of it that way. It's a really good way of saying it. It's like Sony's version of a Mario or a Zelda. It's, yeah. it's a staple of that console. You're going to get one at some point. I was like, what? We got no first party games? Well, fuck you throw the dick on the table yeah, yeah, yeah. Turismo. here we are and so I'd be really curious like I've never claimed to be good at Gran Turismo in particular but I do classify myself I'd say to be a pretty good uh, driving game uh, player yeah you are what I can only describe as being uh, unfortunately good at Mario Kart to the extent where you, Mark is so good compared to most average people at Mario Kart that it makes playing Mario Kart with Mark not fun. Kind of like me playing FIFA with you. Kind of, yes. Where it's like, the race will start and that will be the last time I see you (laughs) unless you lap me. Which you have done. And I am not bad at that game. (laughs) Like, that's the thing that astounds me is that like, kind of within most people I know, with the exception of you, I am better than. Yeah. At Mario Kart. Like, consistently better than. And then fucking Robinson strolls into the clearing. Goes, oh yeah. Well, uh, there's a Still big have smash. There's Always a big a smash. There's a big difference between Mario Kart and the Grand Turismo series because yeah, Grand car Turismo racers and driving simulators yeah. are an entire are entirely different genres. But if this becomes a thing, if if this goes into the territory that it wants to, and we've seen that this is the thing that's going to be interesting because we've seen a few games over the last couple of years now that have from the get go wanted to shoehorn themselves into the uh the esports environment like evolve for example and it's not been allowed to kind of grow organically mm. uh there can usually be a big kind of rejection to it but yeah, well, that's think... the thing like when i hear a company say we want this to become an esport i'm like oh here we f- know again i don't think gran turismo is going to have that problem yeah i really don't because again i think the esports well you see it's not like with evolve and titanfall as well there were new ip whereas gran turismo is bringing in 
a two decade long fan base. Not only just that, but that's a saturated saturated market because it's the yeah. first person shooter genre. That's true. That's uh, true. In the sports racing genre, it's fair game, you know. So I'm really curious to see how this does, um, and I'm really hoping that it's good because I haven't had a, a proper kind of good racing game. What I really need is a fucking good rally game again. And I know there's was there a, there's oh, dirt rally. The there's Colin McRae. Wolf. Is it Dirt Rally? I know there's a rally game at some point coming out soon. I want to say... Um, so we need a Skate 4. And, well, we do need Skate 4 as well. That goes without saying. Codemasters, get on it. So, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how this turns out. And uh, and we'll kind of keep tabs on that. So. Yeah, I think so. Right, so that uh, that brings an end to the news for this week. Uh, still managed to, despite a, a, a few kind of... Uh, not very many stories this week, we still managed to... Uh, give quite considerable views on them uh, so it is at this point uh, in every show where we take our time out to go to the Lincoln Cast Book Club where we talk about a game from the past where if you were to pick up video games today what are the games we would recommend to you uh, and they're kind of not always the best games in history but they're significant games in the history of video games I think it would be fair to say Mark yeah but this one ticks both of those boxes I think so <laughs> and it is a game where we would hope that when we announce it on a podcast that you go away and play it and come back and listen to our review of it or maybe throw some comments in during the week on the social media this week Mark do you want to tell everybody what we are going to be talking about with pleasure this one week of your, one of your you're one of your big ones. You're jonesing for this one. This yeah. week, we are going back to... Uh, originally released, actually, in the year 1990, but we'll kind of say for the purpose of EU 1992, we are looking at Super Mario World. Super Mario World, subtitled Super Mario Bros. 4, depending on which version you're playing, uh, for its original Japanese release, is a 1990 platform video game developed... Fuck, are we old. ...and published <laughs> by Nintendo as a pack-in launch title for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, which oh. I didn't actually realise. 26 years ago? Yeah, developed uh, by Nintendo Entertainment Analysis and Development, and led by our boy, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto... Uh, who also produced the game. Uh, it also featured 2D graphics with linear transformations. Um, the game centers around Mario and Luigi uh, as they enter a new land, the Dinosaur Land. We take a step away from Mushroom Kingdom, as usual, to uh, take on Bowser, who this time isn't after Princess Peach. He's, uh, he's after some Yoshi eggs, and we need to go and save the day. Super Mario World was a critical and commercial success, selling over 20 million copies worldwide, and is considered by many critics to be one of the best games ever made. It has been released four times. First as part of a combo with the... Did you ever play this? The Super Mario All-Stars for the yeah. SNES? Yeah. Fucking love that. I have it here. You do? Yeah. Oh, man. I can't remember if it's the version, because there is two versions of Super Mario All-Stars. One with World and one without. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, secondly, it was released on the Game Boy Advance as Super Mario Advance 2 in 2001, and outside Japan as Super Mario World Super Mario Advance 2, 
uh, with some modified gameplay. The third release was for the Wii's Virtual Console in Japan 2006 and in North American Power, region, Power Regions in 2007, which is a version that I bought. And then finally, it was also released, uh, obviously, 3DS. for the Wii U and also for the uh, 3DS Virtual Console. The, it's only the new 3DS, though. The SNES games are only for the new 3DS. Uh, it's on the Wii U Virtual Console. But it's not, not what I mean is, like, of the, you can't just get it on any 3DS. Oh yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. I know it's oh. on the Wii U because I have it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, for 3DS, it's only the new 3DS because I was like, when it came out, I was like, ooh, I can bring Super Mario World with me. No, I can't. Anyway, yes. Now this is you are you are steering this. Okay, this one. This is we, you're the platforming prodigy for a reason. I like Mario. <laughs> Do you? Not Mario. 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 Yeah. Fucking Yanks. We'll get there one day. Yeah. He doesn't say, it's a me, Mario. Mario. Yeah. So I remember um, being, I want to say about five years old when I was um, introduced to video games for the the first time. And I was given a Sega Master System, went away, played Alex the Kid, had a good old time. About a year later, I was given a NES. And with that, I was introduced to Mega Man, naturally. And I was introduced to the original Super Mario Brothers. About a year after that, to two years after that, um, I would be introduced to the Super Nintendo. Now, I didn't have one to begin with originally. Uh, my childminder, who looks after me, she had a son, same age as me, uh, and he had a Super Nintendo. Mm. And that's where I was introduced to A Link to the Cast, Super Tennis. He's had A Link to the Cast. A Link to the Past, sorry. <laughs> It's not the first time I've done that as well. Oh, scenes. A Link to the Past, Super Tennis, Goof Troop, great multiplayer game, and Super Mario World. And I've never looked back since, you know. Um, Mega Man 2 is kind of the game people think of when it comes to me in terms of platforming, but, Mm. like, it needs to be said that pretty much every fucking platforming game, uh, up until the kind of... I want to say, like, the, the, the... Maybe the revolution of platforming games with like Super Meat Boy and onwards and I Want to Be the Guy. 2D platforming games up to that point have been based off of Mario. That kind of goes without saying. And a lot of people argue over what is better, Super Mario Bros. 3 or Super Mario World. And I will always make the case for Super Mario World. um, Because I feel it took everything about Mario Bros. 3, which took everything about the original Super Mario. And first of all, um, Super Mario World still looks absolutely gorgeous to this day. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it comes from that time, that SNES era. There's a lot of games that still look un- like Link to the Past. Unbelievable. We said in our today. first episode that it has a timeless look about it. Yeah, Earthbound. Earthbound still looks incredible. Like yep. a lot of those kind of um, Super Metroid. Yeah. Um, a lot of games from that SNES era look unbelievably good uh, still, and it's because we haven't yet got to that kind of 3D polygonal space that, in hindsight, now like a lot of I love a lot of N64 PS1 era games, but dear God, do they look like a just a heap of shite looking back now. You know, like yeah. someone who's just starting off playing games now is like, what was going on? What was everybody doing in the 90s? But here's but the I mean, key yeah. Here's the key difference between Mario Brothers 3 and Super Mario World. Mario Brothers 3, each level is uh, like a tiny little chapter in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a book. In Mario World, each level has its own defining character, almost like its its own defining gimmick. And that has been 
what the Mario series has done since. Each level, each world has its own kind of character gimmick that it's trying to do. Um, and I feel that they really went back to that with the last, uh, the, the 3D Land games. They've mm. gone back to that kind of thing. And that was first implemented, I feel, in Super Mario World. Like, I can go back now and I can pick any level on the map and I know exactly what the kind of key feature of that level is. And, um, like, as much as I love Mario Brothers 3, some of those levels are very short, kind of over in a minute, you can kind of speed run through them. For the most part, with Mario World, you have, like, at least a little bit more of the kind of time is needed to take between, you know, platforms and enemies. Um, and just the kind of expansion of characters, or in terms of enemies, um, just the whole kind of graphical fidelity, uh, the the soundtrack is incredible, like how they take that one melody uh, and they tweak it depending on the level you're in. And so you, you have that familiar uh, musical passage, but, you know, depending on if you're in the caves or in the forest, you know, it's slightly tweaked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, I, I love how they do that. Um, and Nintendo are really good for that kind of thing. And... Um, it's just it's just a game that you you go back to you know it's a game I go back to every kind of two years or so um, and I'll blitz through like a couple of hours and it's like yeah it's, just, it's still fucking incredible you yeah know? it's still perfect it's yeah self contained yeah yeah it's um it's a game where I kind of like uh, similar to you I didn't have uh, an SCF an SNES uh, for many years and instead of a, a childminder that uh, kind of uh, was my way into the SNES it was. Um, my auntie, my, my godmother, who was uh, kind of... It was it was actually because of her that I ended up buying an N64 and being the one N64 kid out of my uh, group of friends. And I thank her incredibly for it. Hmm. But, um, because I was right and they were wrong. But anyway, the getting to play it when I was over there was kind of like... when I th- It's one of those things where, like you said, there's a debate between uh, Mario 3, Mario World, and then there are the people who are like the real OG gangsters who love their original... Super Mario because it's there's a beautiful simplicity to it mm. um, for me and this is like how th- th- this to me kind of uh, says how important Mario World is is that when someone mentions Super Mario the, like the character when someone just mentions it to me the images in my head are Super Mario World sometimes they're, they're Mario 64 because I think Mario 64 was the one that it was my first Mario game that I owned myself and got to pour over but when I think of like classic Mario, when I think of just the kind of, like you said, the, the kind of the, the more than just your average platformer, it has its own gimmicks, there's memorable music, all things like that. When I think Mario, that it is Super Mario World that comes to mind uh, first and foremost. And it is one where I think of all of them, there are, there are different arguments um, why most Mario games in the the long running uh, series there are arguments as to why it's not perfect so like Super Mario 1 like there there is simplicity to it but it's just kind of like it doesn't hold up as well as other games now Super Mario 3 there are certainly criticisms we made Super Mario 64 again it comes back to like I talked about the polygonal thing where maybe it just doesn't look as great as we thought it did in like 96 whenever it came out I think it was 96 wasn't it 97 I think Uh, Sunshine a lot of people just call Sunshine a lot of bullshit in hindsight but I like Sunshine a lot I like Sunshine Um, Galaxy I think maybe one that people don't really I think that people have tried to come at Galaxy and I think Galaxy is almost close to perfect. 
Um, and then kind of people talk about the, the 3D lands and stuff like that being almost kind of too gimmicky at points. But I think Mario World is the one that you would find the um, the least amount of uh, weak spots to, mm. should we say. It's the one it's, it's the one Mario game where I think about... Uh, I, I don't think about, oh, fuck, I hate this part. You know, yeah. there, there isn't that to it. And the thing as well about Super Mario World is it was the first time I feel... Um, and to, I guess to a certain degree, actually, uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 implemented this, but only because it was a branch off of the whole story about it being Doki Doki Panic originally. Yeah. Um, it became the first time where the Mario series introduced puzzle elements, almost. You know, the ghost houses, um, where you wasn't just going from left to right. You were sometimes having to do lateral thinking to figure out how the fuck do I get around this part. And then there was the introduction of Yoshi, which, you know, um, apart from being one of the most famous characters in the the Mario universe, um, he introduced uh, a whole new she. way. Is it she? Lays eggs. But what about Birdo? I'm pretty sure Yoshi's supposed to be a she. And I only found that out like years later. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, or I'm should gonna... we use Yoshi's proper full name, T. Yoshisor Munchakupas, <laughs> as we found out last year? When, like, what gender is Yoshi? I'm pretty sure it turned out Yoshi was a girl, and uh, Toads were asexual until Toadette came along. The Yoshi we all know and love is male. However, there may be other Yoshis that are female. A, I, for some reason, maybe it's just one of those urban legend things. Um, either way, but either way, like gender, Yo- gender Yo- aside, yeah, yeah, the gender's not important, uh, but. Yoshi is kind of one of those uh, like proper memorable characters from my childhood. Where like mm. you go upstairs now, I have like a Yoshi amiibo, a Woody Yoshi amiibo. Yeah, I have this Yoshi Teddy up there. Um, when I play Smash Brothers, uh, not so much Smash Brothers, but definitely when I play Mario Kart and when I play Mario Party, it's always Yoshi, and it stems from there. It stems like yeah. my love Yoshi and the kind of. Mario 64, the Yoshi Easter egg at the end of that game as well, made me very excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I just, it is, yeah, probably remember the character. And even if Jeff, Jeff Gersman hates on Yoshi with a, the the, few, the blinding heat of a thousand suns, uh, I still love the Yoshi. And one of the things about Yoshi as well is that introduced uh, what I call the, the Yoshi jump. Yeah, the, the floaty jump. No, 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 no. Oh. The way you run, you jump off the screen, and you can see the ledge that you need to get to, but you ain't you and Yoshi aren't getting there together. Ah, yeah. Where you have to sacrifice the... Well, what Jeff Gershman said was the one useful part of Yoshi is that you jump, and it falls down in the hole. You just get another one, because they're disposable. <laughs> and you know where um, that has really become uh, prevalent? Is in Mario Maker. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Where, uh, God, so many Yoshis dying for a cause <laughs> and I mean this can like be um, extended further into to Mario Maker at some point which I guess I never had the chance to review for myself but when it comes to playing Mario Maker uh, and when it comes to creating levels for Mario Maker an idea for a feature for the site one year because it's about one year on since Mario Maker came out yeah isn't yeah it? Um, I always go to Mario World you know like there's there's some charm or there's some usage to doing the new Super Mario Brothers because you have the wall jump feature mm-hmm. but in terms of the sound in terms of um, 
I don't know, there's a certain just kind of overall feel and the way that that game controls um, where I will always go for Mario World. Yeah. And like from what I've seen a lot online um, or looking into uh, levels that people have made, like Mario World seems to be the go-to. And I'm so happy as well that they have incorporated enemies and sprites and gimmicks from the other Mario games and made Mario World sprites for them. Mm. Uh, that's really cool like the airship from Mario Brothers 3 you know there's a Mario World version of that yeah. it's really fucking cool um, it's just uh, I can't imagine there's many people that from so our generation that haven't played this game so I can't really make a uh, sort of elevator sales pitch to them but certainly for anyone that you know is younger that has a, a Wii U now or even the Wii like there's no reason to at least kind of pop this in or or buy and download it and yeah. kind of see how far we've come along, but yet how well that game still holds up for a game that's 26 years old. Yeah, you know, uh, um, it is as close to I would dare to say, and this is my elevator pitch. It is as close to perfect as a 2D platformer can get, without going into the crazy, almost inaccessible difficulty level of a Mega Man 2. Yeah, you know, it's playable it's you can feel the goal of beating that game is achievable to most players if they're paying attention whereas like I think with Mega Man 2 Mega Man 2 for the likes of us is also right up there in terms of perfection however but is incredibly incredibly exponentially more difficult but there is also the challenge when you get to Star Road yeah yeah. There is, yeah. Well, that's Mario games have that like Mario games always have that kind of extra layer of challenge to them yeah if you if you take on that challenge but uh, in terms of like playing most of the game like it's it's accessible and I love things like the, the evolution of the Hammer Bros into um, the what the hell are they called you know the guys with like the, the football uh, punters um, and the guys that charge you charging chucks yeah, charging chucks you, um, you know I love that they took kind of original concepts from the first couple of Mario games and just, just t- tweak them slightly so it's familiar but it's also new um, yeah, it's it's an incredible game, you know, um, and I love it now as much as I did back then when I first played it. Um, and you should probably go and play it if you never have. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. That leaves us with one bit of business left, and that's for me to announce my game for next week. And it has been... I'm kind of torn between two here. This is what I've, I mean. Wrestling. Well, yeah, I mean, with this. you're pretty going to get probably probably going to get a chance to do both of them. Well, I will, but I've been wrestling with this all week, and, and which one should we do? But I think it is the longest time since we've done this particular type of game. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to go with this one. What we're going to play for next week? I'm going to keep with Nintendo, and I'm going to keep with a game that we both share as being on our greatest of all time list. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to do is bring us a couple of years forward, well, a few, a handful of years forward from that, to a little console called the Nintendo 64. And for next week's Link to the Cast, the game of the week is going to be The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Oh, it's a big one. We have only done one Zelda game on this show. This is true. Link to the Past, this the very first episode. So for guys who are as big a fan of the franchise as we are, it's yeah. kind of remiss of us not to have hit upon 
A couple of them. So I, I guess I got, I've got to leave at least another twenty-five episodes before I go for Majora's Mask. <laughs> yeah, well, we got to. Well, I was thinking about like going uh, and uh, beating that on my holidays this year, so that we're in good position maybe by the end of the summer to do it's that. It's a good point. Bring I can tell you right days. now, I don't need to be, play Ocarina of Time between uh, between now and next week to be able I to give. It might be a, nice for like the pair of us to sit down and like me kind of uh, sit on co-pilot and you have a bash away at it for a while. I, I mean, it works for me. I mean, yeah. I've completed that game more times than i need to think about yeah but uh yeah so that's uh, ocarina of time for next week um that concludes our business uh for this week on link to the cast but hey if you want to contact us uh, to be featured in our occasional mailbag segment when we remember to check the mailbag or encourage people to use the mailbag i have checked it there was nothing in there oh, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, or if you just want to say hi you just want to keep up to date on our content as possible there are a number of ways to do so uh in terms of directly contacting us the the, the most direct ways uh, include link to the cast at gmail.com that's that's our email address we have I have that forwarded to my own personal account so I can keep an eye on that um, in terms of social media platforms at link to the cast on twitter is where you want to go for them hot takes as they happen that is going to become a very particularly active twitter account in the next couple of weeks as we lead into E3 indeed uh, I'm going to have a lot of th- thoughts there's probably going to be uh, live coverage coming out of that account during E3 uh, or some sort of live blog happening uh, on facebook.com uh, we're uh, facebook.com forward slash link to the cast between facebook and twitter it's where you're going to see all notifications about what streams are going on what content is going up on youtube these are the real content aggregators for the site um, where you can see all the different things we're doing uh, some of the stuff we did this week uh, that are kind of things you wouldn't expect us to do maybe necessarily all the time we had uh, a good fun a good bit of fun playing uh, hitman uh, episode 2 Sapienza and actually next week I think it is or maybe the week after we'll be in Marrakesh for another edition of uh, we should probably call it like Shitman that boy gets about um, yeah so that's a that's a good time uh, those streams come out of twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast um, if you're watching our stuff on YouTube which uh, search link to the cast for that you can check all our archives from Twitch there um, and not only that but we have annotations activated so if we're live on Twitch at that moment and you're, you happen to be on our YouTube channel, you'll see a notification about it. And we always post uh, on Twitter when we're about to do a stream. In terms of the content you're going to find if you hop over and find us uh, on YouTube, we have a bunch of series that are going on there. Last week we finished a long-running series on the site uh, that Mark at some points thought we would never finish, and that's The Adventure of Future Glasses uh, as we played through uh, David Cage's epic I'm so glad rain. to have seen the back of him. Uh, so we're taking a week or two off as we kind of try to figure out what is next in terms of our kind of uh, our playthrough of a weird narrative game. Uh, we also have Dim Souls, the weekly series uh, where myself and my co-pilot Mark Robinson attempt to play Dark Souls 3. Uh, this week's episode, which I'm tentatively titling uh, One Step Forward, Two Steps Back, uh, is very apt for how we've been getting on with that series. But uh it's a fun look at two absolute idiots trying to play a game they have no business playing. <laughs> uh, we also have a couple of new series that have started up, uh, and that's Dave's Backlog Day, where I have a lot of games that I've picked up in sales. I have a lot of games that I'm trying to uh, pursue platinum trophies on, per se. So every week for half an hour to an hour, I'm going to pick up a random game from this list. It's never going to be the same game two weeks in a row. And I'm going to play through it for a while and talk to you fine people by myself. I also have a game, uh, a series that's going to start this week, uh, called Telltale Thursdays. I have a lot of Telltale Games games uh, that uh, need to be completed. I need to get through these games, Mark. My backlog is substantial. 
So we're going to have a look at some of those because you don't really enjoy those Telltale games, but uh, I, I do. When they're good, they're very good. It's got to be done. I'm concerned. Uh, Mark is having uh, alternately a whale of a time and a real boring time playing through the Uncharted series. He's yeah. Still, he's, he's a, you're about the... the third to a half way through I about chapter 11 I want to say yeah you're at the you're right at the hump now uh, of Uncharted 1 I uh, will finish it yeah and move on to the much more exciting Uncharted 2 hopefully well, that's Mark's excellent adventure you can check that out weekly series as well Mark kind of alternates as well uh, occasionally doing a stream of Rocket League and of Titan Souls uh, you're have you gotten the plan on Rocket League yet yes I have yeah so you've gotten that as well and t- Titan Souls you're trying to beat as well and then, of course, we have Monday to Friday, you're getting 15, 15 minute segments of Dave and Mark play Pokemon Blue, or the Pokemates, as I like to call it. I'm going to beat you up uh, this microphone. Where we play through Pokemon uh, from, Jesus, a 20 year old game now at this point, the original Pokemon Blue version we're playing, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, Blue. <clears throat> blue. And uh, talk about pretty much anything else but what's going on on screen. And you can enjoy us uh, becoming Pokemon Masters with our friends Joel, Jailbait. No, I got rid of Joel. Oh, we got rid of Joel. Bork Laser. The dude. The dude. Uh, ghost, uh, Space Ghost. Space Ghost is a new friend that we encountered this week, so yep. tune in for that. And then what is the... Uh... But there's uh, Nido King. What do we call him? Oh, Yas King. Yas King. <laughs> yeah. So you can check out that stream this week. Uh, Monday to Friday, we put up six, uh, 15 minute segments there, thereabouts of that. So, oh, and obviously, uh, at the end of every episode, I do like to thank for the lovely cover art that adorns our YouTube channel and our social media presence. Uh, we've got to thank at AmoV1 As on always. Twitter, who has a very strong personal brand. I don't know if you've heard. So, for Link to the Cast this week, I have been Dave Ryan. You, sir, you have been Mark Robinson. As always. So we shall see you again after a while. Bye-bye. <laughs>